The Chicago Blackhawks lose Connor Bedard for four to six weeks with a broken jaw. How will they handle that? The Minnesota Wild look to get back on track after ending a tough losing streak. But Mark andre Fleury has a milestone day. And the Columbus Blue Jackets have improved their situation. But can they take it to the next step? All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Blackhawks lose Connor Bedard for four to six weeks with a broken jaw. How will they handle that? The Minnesota Wild look to get back on track after ending a tough losing streak, but Mark Andre Fleury has a milestone day, and the Columbus Blue Jackets have improved their situation, but can they take it to the next step? All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Blackhawks, Jack Bushman. And Jack, not an easy time for hockey fans in Chicago. Fill us in on the status of Connor Bedard. What happened and how long are they expecting him to be out of the lineup? Yeah, Gil, I wish I was coming on the show under better circumstances. I always love jumping on to talk hockey with you. So thanks for having me on. But yeah, it is a very tough time to be a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks. Not only is Connor Bedard the latest one out, but they're now they now have nine players on injured reserve, Gil. And it's not just nine pieces, it's nine valuable members of this Blackhawks squad. Basically, their top three forwards, top three forward lines, and their top defenseman and Seth Jones. It has just gotten ridiculous, but the real, um, the one that hurts the most, obviously, is Connor Bedard going down against the New Jersey Devils along with Nick Foligno. A tough incident there with defenseman Brendan Smith for the Devils. I didn't think it was a dirty hit. I know some people feel differently about it. Um, I do also think it's a little bit of a learning moment for 18-year-old Connor Bedard in situations like that. Going up against a big defenseman, you know, you got to keep your head up, but a very unfortunate result seems like um, the timeline for Bedard now with a fractured jaw is what we learned. Seems like he's going to be out four to six weeks. We didn't get an official timeline or anything from the Blackhawks organization or from head coach Luke Richardson, but kind of based on what we've seen with players who have gone through similar circumstances over the past few years, their timelines have been somewhere around four to six weeks. So looks like we're going to be missing Bedard for a, a little bit of a stretch here, which is really unfortunate because that was the only reason Blackhawks fans were really still tuning into this team with all the injuries that they have surmounted the last few weeks. And now that Bedard's out, it's just truly unbelievable, Gil. 
How does this affect Bedard? I, I would assume there can be some positives as well as some negatives coming out of him having to miss a little bit of time. Yeah, I do think this will give him a little bit of a, a fresher. I'm sure it was a tough stretch for him going through where he really had to be the head honcho for the Blackhawks because of all the injuries. I mean, just on this five-game road trip alone, Gil, not only did the Blackhawks lose all five games, but they lost Anthony Beauvillier, Tyler Johnson, Taylor Radish, Connor Bedard, of course, and Nick Felino. And he really didn't have any true top-line players to play with. So, yes, this is obviously an unfortunate circumstance. You would much rather have him playing on a consistent basis, even if it you know, isn't with ideal line mates. But I'm sure he's frustrated to not be able to play and not be able to go and give it his all each and every night for this Blackhawks team. And looks like he's going to have a pretty decently length absence. But I think this will give him an opportunity to kind of wind down a little bit learn from afar at the same point in time, kind of get some visuals from maybe up in the press box or maybe just watch a lot more film and just get a different perspective of the game as an 18-year-old. So, yeah, we'd much rather have him on the ice, but I still do think there are some things that he can learn from the situation and also probably a good chance for him to get a little bit of a rest knowing that this is his first season in the NHL, first year going through the grind as a professional. Um, I think this will ultimately, you know, help, help take care of some of his uh, other body parts. I know that um, he's trying to refresh, rush up, rest up for that. As far as you mentioned, nine players out of the lineup, who is expected back the soonest possibly? Yeah, it does look like Seth Jones has been skating here as of late, which is definitely a good sign. Uh, Joey Anderson is someone who he's not the most known player that's on injured reserve, but someone that was playing well before he went on IR as well. So there have been some guys who actually skated after Blackhawks practice yesterday. Tyler Johnson was one of them as well. So it does look like the Blackhawks are going to get some help here soon. But until that happens, Gil, I mean, they really are icing an AHL lineup. Like who's going to be on the top line today against Calgary? Jason Dickinson's probably our top line center. And yeah, he's having a breakout year, but his career high in goals prior to the season was nine. Philip Kershev's playing on our top line. Yeah, he's having a really good year too, but his previous career high in points was 25. These are the players the Blackhawks are left stuck with, and they really just don't have any options because they're just so decimated with injuries at this point. And that's kind of led to them having to go and bring in some other players from other areas too. Is there a, a particular player who has stepped up? I mean, I know the team isn't winning, but is there a guy who has taken full advantage of the opportunities these injuries have presented and really, you know, made a mark on the coaching staff who said, hey, we got to plug this guy in somewhere? Yeah, he was actually injured a couple of weeks ago himself, too. But all season long when he's been healthy, Alex Vlasic, as a rookie, has been unbelievable on the back end for the Blackhawks. And actually going into his like deeper analytics and such, he's ranking out as one of the better defensive defensemen in the entire NHL, which is seriously so impressive for uh, a guy who's not being able to play with Seth Jones, a veteran defenseman. He's really having to be the anchor out there on the blue line as a rookie. And he's being excellent, not only with uh, the long reach of his at six foot six, six foot seven. We knew those were going to be the things that he was going to be good at defensively, but his puck moving has really taken another step. He's getting opportunities on the top power play unit, even though that's not really his bread and butter because Seth Jones is out right now. So he's just getting more of these opportunities because the Blackhawks are having to plug him into those situations. And it feels like he's really making the most of it. And we're seeing noticeable strides in his game. So it's been tough, no doubt about it, but there have been a, a few bright spots. And when it's a young player like Alex Vlasic, who 
the Blackhawks organization and Blackhawks fans have some high hopes for. It's been awesome to see what he's developed into thus far and has to have a lot of people excited what he could be when games become more meaningful for this Blackhawks team a couple years down the road. How how is the coaching staff being viewed? I mean, obviously the team is struggling. The injuries and the rebuilding situation are part of it. It, it, Does the coaching staff still have the support of the front office and the fans? I think they have to at this point in time. And there, there was a little bit of a stretch before all of these injuries went down that the Blackhawks defense was kind of allowing the same things to happen time and time again. And that kind of reached a point really the first time under Luke Richardson's tenure where it was like, okay, something feels like it has to change here, not making a change in the coaching staff, but we just can't let these same goals happen time and time again. So that felt like the first time where maybe Luke Richardson was under the microscope a little bit, but with all these injuries, man, I mean, this Blackhawks team was expected to be bad, but with this roster, they just can't compete against anyone. So it's just really, really difficult to go in grade or or judge the coaching staff when you have all of these circumstances going on right now. So I think that time will come probably next year where it, it, we do need to see some progress, right? We do need to see this team take the next step at some point in time. We wanted to see it this year, but just, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, unfortunately, but there, there is going to become a meaningful time period where Luke Richardson, you know, we, we like what we hear in the locker room and it feels like he's the right guy for this situation. But as this team, like I said, takes the next step, we, we do need to see a little more proof from him that he is the right guy. The time for that though, Gil just isn't right now. The trade deadline is now on the horizon, at least. I mean, we're in the 2024 part of the season. What do you expect the Blackhawks to do, if anything, come the trade deadline? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. You know, knock on wood, I hope by that time period, they'll be a little bit healthier and that will give them some more options. But uh, right now, the Blackhawks have had to go and get some pieces from other teams. Not that they've really had to do much buying. They gave up a seventh round pick for Rem Pitlick the other day. They brought in Jacob Megna on defense, also brought in uh, Zach Sanford off of waivers. I think the Blackhawks would still like to be a little bit of sellers at the deadline. I'm not exactly sure who that would kind of entail. Maybe someone like Tyler Johnson, if he's healthy. Taylor Hall could have been in that boat, but he's obviously out for the year as well. Ideally, the Blackhawks probably have a couple of pieces that they'd like to sell off to get some more draft picks or some prospects, but that's all going to depend on the injuries because they're just, if the trade deadline was right here right now, Gil, there's no way they'd be in a position to sell off pieces because they're barely able to put a roster together as it is. Wow. All right, Jack, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to uh, hear some more about Connor Bedard's injury and who can take advantage of these opportunities with so many guys out, go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you can get your podcasts. You can find the Lockdown Blackhawks account on X at LO underscore Blackhawks. If you want to check out my personal, you can find me at Jack underscore Bushman too on X as well. All right, Jack. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Absolutely, Gil. Thank you for having me on. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and their best price guarantee. So Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. My favorite part of the Game Time experience, you go on the app and you can see the view from your seats before you purchase the tickets. 
That is a huge advantage. And look, they have all in prices. So you see your total up front and you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Game time even has deals right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Lots of things going on right now in Minnesota, and that means we bring in Seth Tupel of Locked On Wild to talk about that. And Seth, let's just start with this. Psychologically, how important was it for this team to get a W against Columbus the other night? Gil, it was huge. Um, They've been reeling, and the injuries just continue to mount for the Wild. Now, they did get Matt Zuccarello back, but um, it's it's dicey because you are right in the midst of trying to get yourself back into postseason conversation, missing like six of your top 10 players on the roster. And so uh, it was a huge win for the wild. And uh, it is no coincidence that Mark Andre Fleury played a huge part in it with just adding one of the great sequences since he came to Minnesota, uh, getting caught between going to the bench for the, uh, the empty net and then all of a sudden, Columbus with the turnover, so he had to uh, fly back to the crease to try to prevent the empty net goal. Guy is just a he, he's just a plus, just unbelievable, and the team is really it seems rallied around him um, as these all these other players have gone out of the lineup. What is it about him? I mean, obviously he's experienced, but what does he bring to this locker room that allows him to lead like this? Well, I think especially in times like this, you've got so many young players on the roster that are not really sure what they need to do. Like, obviously, the Wild have a ton of great young players in Brock Faber, Marco Rossi, Matt Boldy. But a lot of times, you know, rookies in big key situations will look to a veteran to be the one to lead. And, you know, Flurry making just a ton of unbelievable saves. He had a glove save where he was able to just snag the puck like right off the end of the glove in overtime to keep the game going. And so I think players resonate with those types of things like, oh, if he can make a big play in this situation, why don't I go help him out? And the fact that he continues to climb the uh, the wins leaderboard in the NHL I think the team really wants to be able to help get him that milestone so that they can help celebrate with him. He's been a part of this lineup for the last couple of years and has just become a, a fan favorite, has become a favorite in the locker room. And so, you know, he's the perfect guy, I think, to rally around. And it seems like the team certainly did against Columbus. And he still seems to be enjoying himself out there. Oh, yeah, he's he's enjoying himself. And this is, it's interesting too, because when Philip Gustafson got hurt, my worry was not about Flurry being able to handle a regular workload again, because he's been, he's been more of the backup this year than the, uh, the 1A, 1B. 
My worry was not about him being able to step in and get back to regular starts because he keeps himself in just outrageous shape. He is a he's a, a rink rat. He is just a guy who is always on the ice, always working. So I wasn't worried about that as much. My worry was what happens if he ends up getting injured because, you know, Jesper Volstead, the uh, top prospect in the Minnesota Wilds farm system, their goalie of the future, he's coming back from an injury too. And so it's, it, it is just kind of dicey behind Flurry at this point. But honestly, the way he plays, he's been a very demonstrative goalie his entire career. So it's not like, it's not like as he got older, he had to try to do more of that to say, make saves. This is just how he's always done it. And so being somebody that is always that mobile and that active in the crease, you know, you don't worry as much about somebody uh, sustaining an injury because he's just he's used to that range of motion pretty much every time he uh, goes out on the ice. Yeah, no question. What's been missing this year in Minnesota? It seems like they've been so inconsistent. You have winning streaks, losing streaks. I know injuries are a part of it, but there seems to just be something intangible that isn't there that's been there in the recent past. I think it's the confidence. You know, when when John Hines took over, that was one of the big ingredients that was missing that he was able to harness and get back was this is a team that plays when they're very when they're confident they're playing extremely well they have the ability to grab the early lead and hold it uh and that's just something that as the losses mounted as they piled up early in the year it was a, a lineup in which i think a lot of players just did not want to be the one that made the mistake that lost the game and I, I can, uh, I can resonate with that logic because, you know, you think about any of us in our normal lines of work, I don't like making mistakes. I don't like making mistakes that impact the, uh, the bottom line. And so I, I certainly resonate with that. I think as the wins have started to come back, it has been pretty clear that having uh Heinz switch this to more of a modern style. NHL uh, lineup and uh, an offense has really helped as well. But ultimately, I think it just it was a situation where the car was going downhill and Dean was just not going to be able to uh, to get it to stop. And so whether it's his fault, whether it's not at some point, you just have to make a change to really jolt everybody back. And for the most part, with the exception of the injuries that have just sapped this lineup, um, for the most part, the results have been uh, really good since John Hines took over. What do you expect to happen at the trade deadline? I mean, it obviously will depend on how they do between now and then. But uh, let's say they're right around where they are now, where they're on the outside looking in, but they're not that far away. Do the Wild go in to try to make the playoffs this year? Or do they take a step back and say, we'll regroup and come back next year with some more picks or prospects? You know, this is an interesting one, Gil, because I think the Wild are going to view this as if we get everybody back, we can make a run. And so they don't have money, per se, to be able to make any big additions at the trade deadline unless they pull salary off the roster. So there probably isn't going to be more than maybe one, maybe a third pairing defenseman type move to uh, bring somebody in who can be a little more consistent in that spot 
Beyond that, I think Bill Guerin just looks at this as if we can get everybody back and healthy, that this is a team that is capable of uh, of playing with the best of them in the Western Conference and getting back into this uh, into this playoff push. And until they're able to do that, it's all about just trying to keep your head above water and uh, not fall too far behind. But uh, it is going to be interesting because that's been, I think, one of the big staples for Bill Guerin since he took over is that where you expect things to go, he usually has a move or one or two moves in store and is somebody who is very much in favor of making those hockey trades to where if you have a guy like, I'll just throw John Merrill's name out there on the third pairing where maybe you view him as like a, a change of scenery guy and you go talk to some other team who has a defenseman who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season and maybe you just make a one-for-one one there just to try to spark things. He he does very much do make those types of moves as well. So I'm not going to rule out something at the deadline. It's going to be tricky, but this team is uh, is full steam ahead on postseason uh, on the postseason picture. So unless they fall completely out of it, he's going to be looking to uh, try to add something to further this team into March and April. Want to end this on an optimistic note. You've mentioned all the injuries. Give me the name of a wild player who has taken advantage of opportunities given to him as a result of these injured players being out. Well, it was exactly the thing that I think the wild needed as Matt Boldy scored two goals against Columbus, two power play goals. I had been clamoring for Mr. March um, that we saw last year from Boldy when Kaprizov was hurt. He scored 12 goals in the month of March and uh, really kind of took the lead for this team. Uh, the wild need that until Kaprizov is, uh, is ready to return. And so if they can get that from, from Boldy here over the, uh, the next couple of weeks, that's going to be massive. But the one I will say that continues to just wow me is Brock Faber. You know, now that Connor Bedard is going to be out for a while, um, Faber and Rossi could end up climbing into the Calder trophy race. Faber just so solid. He had three assists against the Blue Jackets. Um, and, and he just makes it look effortless. And so if he can continue to get opportunities with Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen both out of the lineup, if he continues to lead defensively, uh, this this is a team that can uh, probably surprise some people until their uh, full lineup is ready to return. Seth, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? You can follow Locked on Wilds by searching Locked on Wild on social media. We uh, we got the easy route on uh, all the handles, so just search at Locked on Wilds. Uh, you can follow us on your favorite audio platforms. You can follow us on YouTube as well. Uh, just make sure to uh, give us a like and uh, tune in for all the Minnesota Wild news and notes you can handle throughout the week. All right, Seth, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays, you could find new bets in the new Explore tab, or 
You can head over to the Parlay Hub to make a parlay. That's the best place to find out the most popular parlays. And there's a lot more. And look, you've got the NFL. You've got college football bowl season coming up. You've got pro and college basketball and, of course, the NHL. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It is great to welcome back to the show the host, or I should say co-host of Locked On Blue Jackets, Jay Foster. And uh, Jay, the Jackets are starting to find their their way a little bit more, getting some more wins, uh, playing a little better, some big wins against some quality opponents. What's been the difference lately? I think it's just that the team is kind of figuring it out a little more. Like it's a very young team. And there's a lot of new faces and there's been a lot of kind of upheaval in terms of, you know, the coaching changes at the start of the season. I say changes multiple because it's, you know, it is what it is. But um, I think it's just that the team has started to figure it out. I think players like Adam Fantilli are getting even more comfortable in the NHL. Um, I think guys are finding some some synergy, some chemistry. Um and I think guys like, uh, you know, Kent Johnson, who got sent down, has, since he came back, since he came back from the AHL, has been phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, Igor Chinakov, former first-round pick, who has kind of been slowly figuring it out. It seems to have finally clicked for him. Uh, and the goaltending has been better than expected, which for the Blue Jackets is kind of important. Because I don't remember the last time, and I've kind of said this on Lockdown Blue Jackets a lot, is... I'm not worried about the goaltending right now. And I don't remember the last time I wasn't at least a little bit worried about one of the Blue Jackets goalies going all the way back to maybe since the Bobrovsky days. So it's, it's all clicking. They're all figuring, they're figuring things out. I know Blue Jackets fans are tired of hearing people talk about how close the team is to winning, but it really does feel like they are taking some steps forward. They just need to do it consistently now. All right, so there is progress. Let's talk about Fantilli, such a, you know important prospect. He's on a 20-goal pace, uh, plus what is he doing well and where does he need a little more work to get to that next level? I think it helps that he's been given one good line mate, so they've, they've kind of been moving him around the lineup, trying to figure out where he goes. Boone Jenner broke his jaw, um, so he was out for six weeks. I think he's three, just after three weeks into that recovery timeline, but they needed someone to play with Goudreau. And so they put Fantelli there and those two have clicked really well. So I think that's definitely helping. Um, and I think, you know, Johnny Goudreau has, is just such a unique talent on the Blue Jackets in that he just creates offense like no one else. And he finally has someone that can finish that offense. And he's kind of been struggling with that this season. So I think it's, Getting line mates that understand, getting line mates that kind of play on that same level as Fantilli. And I do think also it's that adjustment period of, okay, we're not playing in college anymore. We're playing against, you know, full-grown adults. And Fantilli is a very mature 19, but he's also 19. Um, So for him kind of figuring out how to adjust his game to that to that style of play, I think has kind of been really crucial. Um, But just... He's just such a special player. You know, you asked like what he does well, and the answer is almost everything. Uh, I would like to see face-offs continue to improve. Um, I would like to see some improvement in his D-zone coverage. 
But every time he gets the puck, I'm like, okay, hold on, something cool is going to happen here. He's going to create a chance, or he's going to score a goal, or he's going to make a pass that, like, I would love for him and Gaudreau to get us to get another winger that like exists on that kind of same cerebral style game because at the minute they're kind of they've been, they've had Jack Rostovic on the wing for a while they had Justin Danforth on the wing for a while before that and like they're both fine players Justin Danforth especially is kind of he has that the little engine that could energy to his game of he's not the most talented he's not the fastest he's not the biggest but damn it he's going to work the hardest. Um, but I would love to see them with another skilled guy like Ken Johnson on that line. I think that would really pop. So like, but Fantelli, like you said, he's on a 20 goal pace right now. My hot take for the beginning of the season was 30 goals, 30 assists for Fantelli. And I still think he's going to get there. And obviously, you know, really bad news out of Chicago. Bedard is out for maybe uh, uh, six weeks, maybe longer with a fractured jaw. And like that sucks because he was having such a great rookie season. He was doing, he was being a lot of fun to watch, even as someone you know who follows a, a different team. The Calder race just got real interesting, in my opinion. So I would love to see Fantilli continue to take strides forward and maybe challenge for the Calder even more than he kind of already is. I believe he's sec- still second in rookie scoring right now. I know Brock Faber has kind of come in as a contender. For the Calder, and rightly so, having watched them against, uh, watched the Blue Jackets against Minnesota um, on Saturday night, phenomenal player. But Calder voters still like it when the rookies get lots of points, and it's looking really good for Pantilli at the minute. So that's really, really exciting. In a season full that was like a season that was lost by American Thanksgiving, it's really exciting to look at guys like Fantilli and be like, okay, you can see what this guy is going to be like in 5, 10, 15 years and what the team around him could look like by that point as well. You mentioned the goaltending being less of a concern. How much of that is better play from the goalies and how much of that is a little healthier on the blue line and better play in front of the goalies? Yeah, it's, a, you know, a little column A, a little column B. Um, it's, I think the goalies have been playing better. And I think part of that is due to um, they parted with their longtime goaltending coach over the offseason. They brought in um, Nicholas Backstrom, not that Nicholas Backstrom, the the Finnish one, um, longtime NHL goalie. And uh, I would I don't know how much improvement is due to him, but the goalies look better. They look more confident. And, um, you know, for a guy like Elvis Moslikins, who has really kind of struggled with his confidence for the past couple of seasons, he looks so much better on the ice. And like part of that is probably the eye test of me thinking like his stats are better. So I think he looks better, but he just, he looks confident. He's making saves and he's not being rattled by goals the same way that, you know, the Elvis of last season would have been. Um, but I do think that it is partially that the defense has been better. Um, Zach Wrensky out with an injury at the minute, but he's been great for the Blue Jackets this season. Um Provorov's had his ups and downs. I think Severson has been a really good improvement. Um, and honestly, uh, Erica Branson has been a real bright spot for the blue line this season, which I spent most of last season calling for his head. So, like, this is me eat, not necessarily eating my words, but he is thriving in a role that's not play 27 minutes a night. You know, he's playing 18 to 20 minutes a night. Uh, he currently has, I believe, 13 or 14 points on the season. His career high is 17. So he's on pace to, I think, double that this season. So he's having a really great year. Um, Yeah, just 
the results haven't been what we wanted, but individual performances from so many guys have been so much better this season. I think that's really kind of, that's really encouraging signs from, from basically everyone on the team. We've turned the calendar to 2024, the trade deadline, not that far away. What do you expect the Blue Jackets to do? Because even with this improvement, it doesn't look like they're going to be a playoff team this year. Yeah, and I keep bringing up the, you know, the St. Louis Blues of, I think it was 2018 or 2019, dead last in the league on January 1st, win the cup. And so, you know, I'm clinging to that because I need some kind of hope in my life, but the Blue Jackets probably are making the playoffs. It's interesting that you ask because I was just looking at their cap friendly earlier today and like, Usually the guys that move at the trade deadline are, you know, the pending UFAs, the good veteran pieces that other teams love, you know. Um, the Blue Jackets don't have a ton of expiring contracts beyond, like, RFAs that they're going to want to keep. So, like, Texier needs a new contract, Johnson, Marchenko, uh, Sillinger, Chinikov all need new contracts. Um, Jack Rostovic is an expiring UFA. I could see moving, um, especially if he continues to kind of – he's been – not as good as I want him to be, but better than I expected him to be. So, like, he's definitely a piece that's in the mix. Um, I think Andrew Peak is a guy. He just signed an extension this summer, I believe. Um, so he's got three years under contract, but I think he could be a really good add for a team that's wanting to add, you know, some physicality, um, some shot blocking, which, you know, NHL GMs love the kind of hockey that Andrew Peak plays. And I think probably there is a playoff-style team that wants to – that will bring him in, and he will, again – thrive in a role that is not that is smaller than the one he was inhabiting for the blue jackets um the only other piece is i think there's there's not it's not a not, a not insignificant chance that ivan provorov moves he's got two years left on his deal but the blue jackets are, i believe are only paying two-thirds of his contract right now so do they retain a third of his contract and someone else gets him for two years for 2.5 million Give or take, I think that's not out the not out of the realm of possibility. And uh, Spencer Martin, who was statistically the second worst goalie in the league last year, has kind of quietly been very good for the Blue Jackets. He's a pending UFA. Blue Jackets rolling three goalies at the minute with Moslikins and Daniil Tarasov, who is finally healthy and looks it again. So I'm sure there's a playoff team that is looking to shore up their goaltending because playoff teams always want extra goalies because goalies are fragile. And if you break one, then suddenly you're in a bit of trouble. So there's some pieces. I don't think it's the same as like last season where they basically sold everything with a pulse, but there's definitely some pieces that I think could be moved out for second, third round picks, maybe a first round pick. Yamo Kekalainen is usually pretty good at the deadline at acquiring that extra sec, that extra first round pick, but I'm not expecting big moves, but I'm also not expecting no moves. Somewhere kind of in the middle of that. Fair enough. Jay, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? So you can find Locked on Blue Jackets wherever you get Locked on NHL. We are on Twitter at underscore LO underscore Blue Jackets. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on basically every podcast app. We're on SiriusXM. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find my co-host Hayden Heilshorn over at HaydenH971 on Twitter. And uh, yeah, just if you, I can't in good conscience recommend paying attention to the Blue Jackets right now, but <laughs> if you are a glutton for punishment, then come and uh, 
come along for the ride because it might not be fun, but I do think it will be interesting for the rest of the season. Very honest approach there by Jay Foster. <laughs> Jay, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking hockey with you. Of course, anytime. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. That's going to do it for the Monday edition of Locked On NHL. I want to thank my guests, Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks, Seth Tupel of Locked On Wild, and Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets for joining me today. I am Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of Locked On NHL, and I co-host the Friday show along with Rachel Donner. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, we are here every Monday through Friday bringing you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thank you so much for watching and listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.